Well, uh, last week we talked about how it's kind of fun um, when we are uh, growing in, in listening to the Holy Spirit and interacting with him um, to start off our class, maybe by just sharing God stories of things that have happened um, throughout our weeks. And so um, we just wanted to open it up as we start class tonight. Um, if anybody has a God story uh, from their past week, just a way you experienced God, encountered God, an opportunity that you had, uh, maybe a nudge from the Holy Spirit. So it's a big group. So I know that can feel a little bit um, intimidating, but uh, I've just found that story is so encouraging. Testimony is so encouraging. Uh, we want to take the concepts of the book and obviously move them into our everyday lives. And so that's part of why story matters as well. So I'm just going to open it up a minute and see if anybody has anything that they would like to share from their week. Thought maybe he was jumping up to go first, but. <laughs> oh, will. you got one. I will. You do have one. So here it is. Can you believe I'm pulling the phone up here? <laughs> so this morning at the first service, someone who was singing is named Doug Van Gorkum. Uh, about two years ago, his wife received a lung transplant. And as part of the lung transplant, they had to give her specific drugs, Dr. Carlstone, to help the heart lung worker. Not rejected or something? Sorry. Yeah. For the body to accept it. Mm -hmm. The side effects could be cancer. So she was diagnosed with cancer just not so long ago. And so the Bendorkums asked us to pray, and we have been praying. And this morning, Doug brought to church the CAT scan. And two weeks ago, her abdomen was filled with cancer, and today there's no cancer. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Lord, we do, uh, we just begin by giving you praise and thanksgiving for the many ways that you have been at work. Uh, those spoken out tonight, those that, um, you know, each of us individually got to encounter. And so we're so grateful that you are a God who's with us, that you're near, that you're speak, that you're moving. So we thank you for the ways that we uh we encountered you over this past week, and we look forward uh, to what you have in store for us tonight and in the days to come. And so we just begin by saying uh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. So we welcome you to this space. We're so grateful that, uh, God, you're alive and active amongst us. We pray just a blessing over uh, Pastor Kevin as he unpacks uh, just the teaching and the word for us tonight, Lord. So we just love you and we pray these things in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Can I have any impressions about chapter two? Did, did it resonate or did it not? Give me some thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up? Okay. Anybody have a thumbs down? I did. I, mean, I can't quite get my head around Jesus as my lover. That stuck me. So let me, let's go, go through this a little bit and see what happens. In chapter page 37, uh, titled Expect More, first four several sentences. And this is kind of where, how he describes the whole chapter. See, Christianity is a love story. It is about love lost at Eden, that's the, at creation, and a love restored at Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. I thought the next paragraph is really, really important. We alone, out of all creation... We're made not merely to serve God, 
but to love him and be loved by him. It was not the angels and the archangels whom he made for love. He made them for ministry. He made us for intimacy. Is that a foreign concept to you, that God wants to be intimately connected with us? And I think that is where this chapter is really focused, and I wonder how that resonates in your spirit. I think we have a lot of, in our tradition, we have lots of theological, intellectual understanding of things. But to move to the places of intimacy is difficult. I observe in Pella, this is our setting, there's so much misuse of sexuality, I observe, because there's a, there's a misunderstanding of intimacy. People don't know how to be rightly, in a healthy way, intimately one with another. Way back a couple years ago, I did a series on sexuality. We are all sexual beings. And so we share sexuality, but it should not be with our genitals. And so when we talk about intimacy, we're talking about sharing a bit of our hearts with each other, but most fundamentally with our Lord Jesus. And in this chapter, I remember Mike and Tracy's wedding some years ago. Um, I remember their wedding day because of the, the word that I used on their wedding day. And it's here in the chapter. It's proskunueo. And the word is, I come towards to kiss. So he argues in this chapter that in intimacy, fundamentally, we're invited to come towards the Lord to kiss and be kissed. So now, let me just think, now is that foreign for you? What kinds of images do we have of God? And this moves to a different level of relationship. It's not just about the head now. It's about opening who we really are to love and to be loved. And so it's a different way. And oftentimes we take our human relationships and we impose them on God. But the love he has for us is pure and holy and safe and honoring and precious and beautiful. And that's what he's talking about in this chapter. So we're made for this with our Lord. Would you please turn to page uh, 39? Sec first full paragraph and uh, the last sentence of, this, of the first full paragraph. Yet for many to think and speak in such intimate terms about the relationship with Jesus would seem utterly alien. And then he says we need to kindle that flame of passion for Jesus. And so this next paragraph for me was kind of hard to get my head around. And I, so that's part of my mental image. How do, how do I understand this? So as I'm talking about this with you, please know that I don't think I have this figured out. I understand intimacy with my wife. I understand intimacy with my children, my, my siblings. My, I, close, I understand different levels of intimacy. But to have intimacy with the Lord is something very different. If that becomes a passion of ours, then there becomes space and room for the Holy Spirit to really operate within us. So that's going to, I think, require some level of risk, some sense of vulnerability, and some sense of knowledge of who our God actually is. So let me go a little farther. Can we go to page 40? And this, again, reflects the first page, page 37. Jesus, first full paragraph. Jesus is not simply our Redeemer, but our lover. Love redeemed us, capital L, love, redeemed us to be lovers. Redemption is not just from sin and redemption. What does the word redemption mean? Pardon me? Yeah, to be, to be, set, to be purchased. So redemption is not just from sin, from death and hell, but to and for a blazing intimacy with Jesus. These next several sentences are significant, I think. Too often we've reduced the work of Christ to some metaphysical judicial exchange 
and miss the fact it's a marriage, not of convenience, escaping hell, but of consuming, consummating love, the circle of love. We've developed and dissected our theories of atonement. That's when our sins are paid for, covered by the blood of Christ. But have we learned to love and be loved by Christ the lover? And that is what he's poking at here. So let me just ask you, how does that, how does that resonate in your spirit? Does that resonate or is it just like, holy cow, it's crazy church talk? Can I invite you to please turn to top of page um, 42? So he quotes a scholar named Rolle, R-O-L-L-E, top, top of the page. He says there are three levels of loving Jesus. A mere love that obeys his commands, and we're, our tribe is really big on that, even though we don't always do it. Number two, a love that is constantly fixed on Jesus, and that's what Josh was talking about this morning. And number three, a love that sets you on fire, and all who, who touch you feel the heat of it. So levels of love. So which of those resonate with you? Can I just, Tyler, I'm going to pick on you. What, which, which of those? Mm-hmm. He said something, many things that were important there, but you, one of the things I want you to think about, so our most intimate relationships are a type, a picture of, a taste of intimacy with God. So let, let me push a little bit with you. So younger people, give me a little break here, but the, uh, a sexual union between a man and a woman is fundamentally more than a union of two bodies. At core, our longing for sex as humans goes deeper. It's a longing for intimacy with God. See, we're created for intimacy. And in our culture today, all this hookup stuff that we're a part of as a culture, we're missing the intimacy. Uh, I, have, I can tell the story with permission. There's a, a, a young man I walk with who is choosing to live a very promiscuous life. And on a weekend, he takes ecstasy and, and, uh, and um, Viagra and has multiple partners over a weekend. And I said to him, so what is the longing of your heart? He said, the longing of my heart is to know and be known at the deepest level. But partner after partner after partner after partner does not do that. But when we're in a committed Christian marriage, husband and wife, we're having a taste of what Tyler was talking about. So someday in the new heaven and new earth, we will relate to, everyone will relate to each other in the most intimate and beautiful ways, non-sexually. We will be male and female. So that's what he's poking at, a level of intimacy that we don't even understand fully. A little farther, page um, 43. Near the bottom, we must learn to yearn for that renewing of the spirit so that we might be renewed in our love for the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit for Jesus. It is the Spirit who renews our love. And a little bit, I think we're going to have a little bit of a panel conversation about how is it that we are intimately connected with our Lord. Page 44. <clears throat> this is the word that Proskinuel that I talked about with, with Mike and Tracy. First, first paragraph. Second sentence. May we, by God's Spirit, know, grow, and show that love of God that unites us with Christ. God wants our kiss in return. The most common term for worship in the Greek New Testament is proskneo, a conjunction of two terms that literally means to come forward and come before and kiss. So the Lord says to us, would you kiss me with the kisses of your lips? That's from the Song of Solomon. So that 
when you, so think about this now. This, this is goofy now. So when we actually worship, what Preston's talking about, when these kids really worship, what it is in the spirit, we are coming towards God to kiss. That is intimacy. And so I know on Sunday mornings, and I'm involved in the worship services, <clears throat> if I had permission, I could, t- I, I, I beg umbrella mercy, I can tell you when I think the Holy Spirit has done something in the room. There, there are moments in the room when if our spiritual eyes and heart is open, you can sense the Lord is at work uniquely. And I can see it in a whole variety of ways. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? you can, we can feel that. We are mindful. And see, that is pros kunu eo. When we are coming close to kiss, but here's the crazy thing, he's coming close to kiss us. This is a love relationship. So love, a lover, lovers go two ways, right? We love each other. So this is what he's poking at in this chapter. A little bit farther, can I turn you over to page uh, 48? And so it's, it's 47, 48, it's kind of a deep theological water. Middle of the page on page 48, there's a sentence that goes, the twofold promises. So he's talking about the Gospel of John, page before. The twofold promises of eternal life and satisfaction. That's what he offers us, eternal life, satisfaction, appears to be conditioned by a threefold response. This is what we need to do. Believe, come, and drink. I do believe in Christ, absolutely. But do I come? Sometimes. Do I drink? Sometimes. And perhaps this is the key. I experience a partial appropriation because of a partial response. Is there more available but Jesus? And he's arguing yes. Now, page 49 talks to what's the block. And let me give you a word picture and I, real quick. So last week, I think it was, Steph, I think it was last week. Some meeting I was in last week. Someone, if you could have more of the Holy Spirit, what would you ask for? And so my answer is always, I would ask for more authority. Exousia. So in the Gospel of Mark, all the way through, Jesus teaches as one who has authority. He does not quote scholars. He does not quote rabbis. He says, verily, verily. This is the the words of God coming from Jesus. And he heals with authority. Now, why why is my authority so limited? So I'm going to give you a word picture. Go into a bathroom, and under your sink, there's often a plumbing, an elbow. So my, my elbow is filled with hair. So water does not flow at a very significant stream because it's all blocked up. Sin, willfulness, pride, arrogance is hair that blocks the Holy Spirit. And this is why, if you've been watching us together on Sunday mornings in the sanctuary, every week, we are, Mike is leading us to a time of confession and examine. We want to get the hair out of the pipes. So the authority, exousia, is available. So that's what he's poking at in this page here. Look what he says in the middle of page 49. Often that river, uh, first full paragraph, often that river of God's spirit is blocked up or diverted from flowing to and through our lives, bringing renewal, life, growth, and harvest. Why? It is diverted by our own sin, by the world, by the flesh, and the devil. Those things block the flow, the intimacy, the relationship that we can have with Jesus. And those are the things that he's asking us to get rid of, to be cleaned of. Go over to page 51. 
He tells a story on page 50 about someone who received an incredible outpouring of the Spirit. And then it says in 51, the first full paragraph, can you imagine, so let me just ask each of us, let this run through your head and your heart. Can each of us imagine being so saturated with the presence of God's Holy Spirit that we felt we could take no more and had to ask God to stop pouring out saying, it's enough. Has anyone had that experience when you've had so much of that intimate connection with our Lord, you couldn't take anymore? So, I mean, can we encourage you? I, I think some of us have. have, it, have Michelle, you're nodding. I, I had once time like that. I was actually at the Billy Graham Center in North Carolina, and I think they just anoint that place with prayer all the time. And so there was a time when we had to just kind of go and spend time with the Lord any way you wanted to. And I was ready to just have my journal, and I couldn't wait to write down what he wanted to tell me. And I was ready to write, and I couldn't. And I just started crying and crying and crying. And I felt like, like he took me to the throne room. And I was just with the Father on his lap. And I was just being filled and filled, and it just came out of me as tears. Mm-hmm. And for that whole time, I was still really wanting to write something for some reason. I just like, I wanted to take something away. But at the end of like half the tissue box being gone, there was just this sense of peace. I can't say it was something where I, I had to say stop. I have met people where I've, I've, you know, I've heard about those, but I couldn't say that I had to, that I was so overwhelmed that I needed him to stop and I asked him to stop. But it was just a sense of feeling so completely overwhelmed for so long, like I felt like over a half an hour for me, that seemed like a long time, a half an hour to an hour of just crying and receiving and receiving. And so were you, feeling, were you feeling love? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was not a conviction. Yep. It was an overwhelming love. Okay, now take this idea, overwhelming love. Think about on Christmas Eve, I used the, the, some, uh, a quote from the book Imagine Heaven. So many people have had near-death experiences talk about being in the presence of Jesus and what they feel is an overwhelming love that is almost incomprehensible and it is absolutely enticing. Let me give you one more example, then I'm going to go to page uh, 55. An example in a church service. So in California, I went to as part of a, a weekend in which we invited people who knew they had incredible levels of sexual brokenness. So these are people who um, had lived out their sexuality in many different ways, inappropriate, sometimes perverted, tons of pain. And we invited them to come for a weekend together. And uh, in the midst of prayer, confession, and lots of beautiful moments, we ended up with a worship service. So there are about 700 of us in the room. So these are people who self-acknowledge, I am here because of deep levels of sexual pain and brokenness. And so as we worship, proskunu eo, as we came towards the kit, to kiss the Lord with all this brokenness, the presence of the Lord was so heavy that 700 people fell to their knees. And we could not stand. No one could stand. And finally, one of the pastors just said, Lord, that's all we can take. And then that, that incredible presence pulled back. But we could only take it for a few minutes because it was so powerful. So this is what he's talking about. This is what's available to us. Now, I'm going to go to page 55, and then I just, I I don't have a lot of time here, but the first full paragraph, so what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? So on page 55 and 56, there are a whole bunch of bullet points, and I would really encourage you to take time to look at those, because all these are in Scripture, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. 
And those are things, I think, which we pray for and we long for. And then finally, on page 58 and 59, he ends up with some uh, stuff with Andrew Murray. And for our longer time members, if you remember 2002, I led our congregation through a, a season of studying this. And we had the spirit within, spirit upon. The, the primary source of all that we taught was Andrew Murray. And so Andrew Murray talks about what it means in the bottom of the page, bottom of 58, four practical and verbal steps we can take to be filled by God's Spirit. So this is an opportunity for all of us, if you wish, if you choose. Step one is to say, I must be filled, knowing that God commands it. Ephesians 4, there's a command, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need it. Step two, you say out loud, so I say, I may be filled. Believing that is God's promise, all believers. What's the passage? Uh, Luke 11. Jesus said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give his Holy Spirit to those who ask, seek, and knock? So the second step is say, Lord, may I be filled? Third one is, I should be filled, willing to surrender all for that pearl of great price, that intimacy with Jesus. And finally, I shall be filled claiming the promised gift of God purchased by Christ. And sometimes we feel it and sometimes we don't, but we claim it because it's given. So the next sentence, but if you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because this is where we're going to go next, let me warn you, you'll have a battle on your hands. And we'll talk about that soon. Oh man, so many, we were having a great discussion back here. I have trouble leaving, but um, uh, we're going to move now into a little bit of a panel. We're hoping to bring some, you know, different voices throughout the class into the conversation. Um, the book is just, it's such a phenomenal book. So many great things to chew on, um, but we want to keep grounding it too in our own stories, um, in how this looks kind of practically for us in our everyday life from different people and different perspectives because our journeys with the Holy Spirit can be really different. And so um, I've invited Lindsay Lumens, Mike's going to join us, Kevin's going to jump up here. Um, if you guys want to come up like now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Let's go. Um, and so we just have a couple, I just have kind of a couple of questions that I uh, asked them to sit with uh, that we're going to kind of share a little bit of our own uh, stories around uh, intimacy, the more of the Holy Spirit, the things that we do to help cultivate uh, that in our life. And then we'll close with a time of, uh, we're going to do some imaginative prayer tonight and just create some space uh, to encounter God's heart of love for us. Uh, in the room tonight. And so, um, so do you guys have a mic? Yes, Mike has a mic. Good. Which means you get to start. All right. So, um, actually, I bumped into Lindsay in the hallway this morning, and we were both like, did this chapter make you uncomfortable? This chapter makes me uncomfortable. Not me. I love this chapter. Oh, good! <laughs> and I'm not joking. I was... At the end of our talking, I talked at the end. I'm, I'm, this is a journey. Like, this whole thing is a journey. Yeah. Following Jesus is a journey. Understanding so much of this is a journey. And this is, is a journey that started for me 
probably in high school and college, and maybe we'll get to talk about some of this, Kevin, but like uh, the Vineyard Movement and John Wimber uh, back in the 80s was a, was a different movement. And so I'm a worship leader. I connect deeply with music. And the Vineyard Movement was known for songs about intimacy with Jesus. And they were kind of, in some ways started to get, a, I mean, it was a bad rap at sometimes. Like yep. some people are like, just singing lovey-dovey songs, did you, you know, like all this stuff. But as I started to encounter some of these things, which were foreign to me, I started to, some, I started to get a different perspective on Jesus and on the Father as we started to sing these songs about intimacy. This, some of you will know this song, you know, the, his banner over me is love. And they would sing the chorus a hundred million times. It's kind of like, until you get this, we are not going to stop singing it. But there was something to that reality of, wow, Jesus deeply loves me. But not just that he deeply loves me, he invites me to reciprocate that same love towards him. So I love songs of intimacy. We don't sing very many here, and there's some reasons for that. We talk about some of these things. We're probably not quite ready for some of that because... So we sing the song Abide. We sang it this morning. I'm like, okay, that's safe, a little bit safe. But there's something to abide. This is what we're talking about. Abiding in Christ is intimacy with him. It is about going to this place of not striving, of not working for his love or, and vice versa. And so, so as a male, and this has helped me in this. I've heard this um, from some different people that a lot of times when we talk about intimacy and we this is not about gender. This is about a place of position. So for women, you know, the Bible is very masculine. It always talks about sons. Well, that, you're, that is still your position. When it says sons, put in daughter. And so in the same way, when we talk about the bride of Christ, that is not about a gender piece. That is about a position with who I am in Christ. And so that helps me to better understand intimacy. And as Kevin said, so much of the intimacy pieces, we could go into weeks and weeks of having to get at some of the, the hidden pain that blocks intimacy with Christ and understanding our son, daughter, fathership. Like so much of that is there's wounds in us, our own marriages, our father and mother figures, all these dynamics that really actually start to hinder intimacy. Um, and so maybe at some point we'll go through the freedom class. That is one step in the journey. <laughs> but I think that is actually a big piece in intimacy is learning how to love Jesus well and be loved by him. And we experience that oftentimes by other people. So if we don't experience that well, sometimes that really hinders that intimacy with, with Jesus, yep. with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And so I asked the question at our table because, you know, oftentimes we're, you know, I ask the table, we oftentimes, I'm asking the question, Jesus, how do you want to be loved? Oftentimes I'll say, well, Jesus, this is how you should love me. But when we begin to ask, Jesus, how do you want to be loved? How do you want my heart to come towards you? And then Lindsay's like, oh, and that's what takes the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because the Holy Spirit starts to lead us and guide us into how does Jesus want to be loved? How does the Father want to be loved? How does the Holy Spirit want to interact with us? And it's just like in any relationship with my wife, I need to ask that question towards my wife. Tracy, how do you want to be loved? And then in the ways that she needs to be loved, and I reciprocate that love and vice versa. And I believe that is true of our relationship with God. That I believe there are things that he puts before us. These are ways that you love me. These are ways that you come towards me 
and vice versa. So in the intimacy piece and going through Song of Solomon's, one is I've just learned not to sexualize it, mm-hmm. as Kevin is saying, because that's what our culture wants to do. So as soon as we sexualize intimacy, especially in a physical way, we begin to hinder that ability to feel the intimacy that God has for us. That's great, Mike. A lot of really good things there. It, it's interesting because all night long, I've just... How many of you, this this is a throwback, would have uh, come to some of the Journey to Wholeness conferences? Anybody a part of those way back in the day with the Bodish Boss? All night long, I'm here in uh, Kirk and Debbie Dearman in my head singing, dance with me, O lover of my soul, to the song of all songs. But that was actually a huge part of these healing weekends was both receiving and pouring love out, like very lots of intimate um, singing and love songs that was um, a little different for us, but a very, a really beautiful part of learning um, how to give that love back. So yeah, really beautiful, Mike. Thank you. Linz, how about you? What is this journey of learning to love and be loved by God? What's that looked like for you? Yeah, I think intimacy I, I just kind of struggled with that, um, and I think in reflecting, it's because I was trying to like connect intimately with the Lord, like using my emotions um, or like my thoughts, and not my spirit. And so um, I know a lot of you have taken the freedom class, and it really was like when I took that class the first time, they talked about spiritual order. It really connected with me of like, oh. Intimacy with the Lord is a spirit-to-spirit connection, right? And so I know not everyone has taken that class. So just like really one of the, the chapters is about spiritual order. And it talks about how God made us to have a spirit, a soul, and a body, which is one way to look at it. And so your soul is like your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. And so he created us to connect with him spirit-to-spirit and to have your soul and your body fall in line with that. Because when we say yes to Jesus, right, our spirit is redeemed one time, once and for all, justification. And then um, when we say yes to Jesus his spirit comes and becomes united with our spirit. And so um, to me, it's like, yeah, I need to be, um, so my journey to intimacy has really been about, okay, like how can I live spirit first? Because that is where I'm intimate with the Lord. That is where like he is united with me. We are joined. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, I had struggled before so much and, you know, obviously I struggle throughout, um, but I go back to this, okay, like what am I feeding first and what am I, um, what am I elevating? Because, you know, like our body and our souls have such limited capacity, but our spirit doesn't mm-hmm. because it's already redeemed and it's, um, and it's united with the Holy Spirit. And so I think for me, that's been, um, that's been a really big thing. Um, and so to think of myself as the book says this in the, free, the freedom book, um, but that we are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience mm-hmm. and not the other way around. Yep. And so I think for me, like that has really shifted my intimacy with the Lord because then I, um, the times that I can just really enter in with him, like I have bypassed my thoughts and my emotion and my physical needs and I'm just connecting spirit to spirit. And so, yeah, that. Beautiful. Kevin, how about you? Would you have anything else to add for your journey? Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, at my age and, and stage, so I've been a pastor for 40-some years, and, and many, many people have invited me into the stories of their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and normally when people want to spend time with me, is there's great pain. Yeah. We don't typically hang out when things are well. So I have been deeply shaped by Jesus' self, description of Jesus in Isaiah 53. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And so that picture of Jesus was so powerful, but so tender, and he was so acquainted with our grief, with grief. So my most intimate moment that I can remember with the Lord was when Kirk died. We drove back from Iowa City after he died at 2 o'clock. We got back home about 4, and Lane and I laid in our bed together, and we just held each other, and we wept from our toes for at least an hour. And in all that crying and calling out to God, we sensed the presence of the God. And I've been, that was the most intimate moment in 42 years of being married to Lane. The moment of our son's death. Mm-hmm. And, but the Lord was present to us in that. Yeah. So that it will ever shape me. And the, I'm, but I'm, so I'm saying my intimacy is connected to my brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so my brokenness with the Lord is the place where I sense his intimacy most strongly. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think our, our pathway to intimacy can, uh, I mean, at its heart, too, it's, it's a, so much about our vulnerability. It's when we're at our, like you said, our most broken, our most vulnerable places. And so um, that often is the pathway mm-hmm. uh, right into his heart, into his heart for us. And so, yeah, beautiful. Um kind of staying in this vein because, you know, we're obviously talking about the Holy Spirit and how much the Holy Spirit is is what uh, connects us to that intimacy. You know, the l- latter part of the chapter talked a little bit more about the reality of being filled, uh, being filled with the Spirit. So, um, Mike, we'll just start with you again if you're open. What's that journey of being filled with the Spirit kind of look like? And how, because we, we are naming this, being filled is not a one-and-done reality. It is an ongoing being filled. Um, so what are, what are some of the things that you do to cultivate? Um, and can you tell almost like when I need a fresh infilling of the Lord, and how do you pursue that? So what's that look like in your life? Yeah, I think, Kevin, your uh, word picture of uh, the clog drain is is a really good one because I think we all can relate to those moments and I can sense those in me when maybe it is a sin. Uh, Oftentimes it's, we talked at our table, busyness could maybe be a killer right now for a lot of us, just the busyness that I don't have time to spend with the Lord. So busyness. So I, I think there are moments, you know, on my journey of, I pray regularly, probably daily, Holy Spirit, fill me with more your presence. But what I've been adding to that prayer, because I think for a long time, that's the only part I would pray, like, Spirit, just give me more. Now I'm beginning to pray, Lord, where am I not more surrendered unto you? Where am I not fully surrendered to you? And the Lord in his graciousness, he usually doesn't reveal a hundred things. It's usually one or two things, (laughs) you know, because we can't handle a hundred. And so I think part of the continuing to be filled is just to continue to ask every day saying, Holy Spirit, I need you today. It's going into a meeting. It's walking down the hallway. It's being in the neighborhood. I'm learning um, how to be in, in more and more constant conversation with Jesus all the time. So like when people say like, I've gone a whole week without talking about Jesus, I'm like, what the heck? I haven't gone an hour. <laughs> like not to brag on myself, but like that's the, that's the devoted lifestyle that we're called into. So that when we go into every moment, I can enter a meeting in this relationship and whatever, and I can say, Holy Spirit, you are with me here, and I really do need you. So I think it is the intentional daily, Holy Spirit, I need more of you, but I also recognize I need to be more surrendered so that I can hear you better, see you better, sense you better. Mm-hmm. Great. 
what Mike is saying. So what I do is I found I need to have se I, I have se I have seven set times a day for prayer. Mm -hmm. I have I in my day starting about four thirty in the morning. I have seven times that I have specific prayers that I pray out loud. And then I say the Jesus, before any phone call or I send the emails, I say the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So I've trained myself to constantly say I need to keep connecting with the Lord. Because if I don't, then I, just, I can just divert. So I would just invite you to ways that fit you, develop rhythms that just keep you staying connected with the Lord. Kind of picking back on Mike was saying. Yeah, I think for me, um, a lot of what Mike was saying resonates, you know, the, the surrendering, um, the repentance. I think for me, not only surrendering, like, what I have that day, but also surrendering, like, how I want the Holy Spirit to come. I think that, you know, I, I would prefer it, like, probably all would, that, like, um, Holy Spirit just, like, sets out a bank, like, a buffet, and I get to take my plate and I get to pick what I want, you know? And so I'm like, oh, that one looks nice and that looks weird. So I'm not going to take that. And just, you know, and, and like I, that's how I would, because I'm like, I just want to stay comfortable, right? I want to, you know, because like, there's some things that I'm like, that looks really weird. I don't want that. Or like, that looks amazing. I want that. And, um, but often it's like, the Lord has shown me, it's like, it's more like, no, like he's actually sitting you down at a banquet table and he serves you. Um, and he knows what's going to be on your plate because it's exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I, um, you know, and surrendering so many things throughout the day. But I also just have to surrender that idea of, like, how I want him to come. Yeah. Because he knows best, and his ways are higher than our ways. And another thing, too, um, for me with the filling is I need, like, the re like remembering is really important. So remembering um, the ways he has come before and for that to encourage my faith. And so I, I think of it, I just kind of got this picture a very visual person, so pictures really help me. But so, like every time, like I, you know, like I'm wanting to be filled with the Lord's Spirit, this daily. Um, I think oftentimes I think of it as like I'm start, starting at the bottom of steps, and I need to get up to the top, and that's where I'm going to meet with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has kind of shown me, like, well, you don't actually have to start at the bottom of the step every time. Like, if you remember where He has taken you, you can start where He had you, mm -hmm. and then you can keep going. And kind of like that idea of more, and so that that the step idea is really encouraging to me and and I also so I am a very visual person and so a lot of times how I hear from the Lord is with like pictures and visions and um the Lord has shown me like that's so sometimes like if someone's praying for me and I get this great picture um to not just have that be a one and done of like oh that really encouraged me I needed it at that moment to actually use that picture as a place for me to like enter in the next time I come to the Lord so um, if there was like that visual, like I start then at that place and I use that as a centering and then I can go, I, I can come in more to his presence. And so I think um, remembering has actually been really helpful for me. So it's not like I'm just starting down at the bottom step every time. It's like, oh, nope, there's more and we're going more. So those are just. Good. Kevin, you want to add anything else from? Yeah. Okay. Good. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, too, 
and, and you're hearing this, obviously we, we don't become intimate um, and, and vulnerable with someone without spending extended periods of time together. You know, uh, I can't remember if it's John Mark Comer who's like, bring the quiet time back. Like there is something to just that regular space of just saturating ourselves in the Lord's presence uh, before we step out into our day that, that is so needed. And, um, you know, for me, especially over this past year, and this is what you're going to get a taste of in just a minute. Um, uh, imaginative prayer in the scriptures in meeting Jesus there has been one of the sweetest uh, places of intimacy and encounter for me uh, over this past um, about six months. It's been a really beautiful way that I meet with the Lord uh, daily. And so, you know, um, and I just would encourage you too that, you know, as you are able to, um, you know, the days that I'm off and I'm doing laundry and cleaning my kitchen or, um, you know, that's when I'm, I'm doing those things with the Lord in worship, you know, bringing him into every aspect of our days. You know, we can't always go whole up, right? We can't always go whole up and get away from our everyday lives. We got to keep working on how do we incorporate him into all that we're doing from, I loved as we were talking with the high school students back there, the car ride into school, right? The moments on our way home home, um, you know, and so that's part of this too. If we're going to have the more, we've got to figure out in our daily life, how do we begin to welcome his presence uh, into each moment that we're given? And we're wired differently. It's going to look different. Worship is massive for me um, as well. And so, but uh, I just want to encourage us in that too, like um, do what you love with Jesus every day. <laughs> just do what you love with Jesus every day. And if you need fresh ideas, we've got a lot of them. Um, but uh, there's something to just spending the time, the space uh, with him uh, that will grow in intimacy. Yeah. Let me try to give you one illustration. When we were about seven, eight years into our marriage, uh, I had really hurt Lane because I, I came home from a long night at church with ministry and uh, I was totally insensitive, and she cried, and she said, I don't know how to compete with your mistress. And I thought, what in the world was she talking about? And she was talking about the church. So we went into counseling, and they taught us something that, that changed us. And I want to give it to you as, as an example for relationships, more than that relationship with the Lord. So what we did every Sunday night at 9 o'clock, after we got everything done in church, all four boys were in bed, and we got them bathed in the whole nine yards. This is back in the day. Double cheeseburgers, order of fries, and a chocolate shake, each of us. Every, every Sunday night, 9 o'clock, and we ate till we were sick. But then there came the important part, and we were taught to do this. Every week, we asked and answered this question. What three things do you need from me this week? We did that for 17 consecutive years every Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And I love my wife more than anyone in the world by a thousandfold because of that. If I would ask most people in relationship to stand and tell me what your partner's top three needs are, I bet almost no one could answer that question. Because we just assume. Now, same thing with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just tell him what your needs are and then ask him, what are your needs for me? Mm -hmm. Same thing. 42 years of being loving Lane. How about 42 years of loving Jesus? So ask him, yeah. what do you need from me this week, Lord? Whatever. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I think the two-way conversation is part of what we're learning in this all too, right? That it's uh, many of us, if we grew up in a more uh, traditional or didn't grow up in the church, it was us kind of yeah, barfing out our needs or asking. Um, it, it, and he's so kind and good and he wants to hear those. So don't hear me saying that, but there's something. Intimacy doesn't develop in a one-way relationship. And so the two-way is such a, a, a big part of, of what it means to grow in intimacy and encounter and love with the Lord. So thank you for sharing a little bit with us tonight. You can give a hand. We can do that. <clears throat> Um, Mike, can you put some soaking music on for me? Would you do that? Make it so intimate. I want your loviest playlist, please. <laughs> but for real, you should make a love playlist. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's a beautiful, yeah, that's a beautiful word. And um, I'll reference freedom class one more time. You know, oftentimes um, one of the main ways we'll see the enemy work in our lives is he'll bind us to shame um, so that we won't, uh, so we won't embrace our brokenness and vulnerability. And so there's something to, when God comes in and says, Man, I just love you right where you are. And this is our this is the on-ramp actually to the more. This is gonna become the beautiful, a beautiful part of your story. And you're gonna encounter me in and through this in a way you wouldn't have encountered me any other way. And so um what a beautiful God, you know, uh that we get to be in relationship with. And so yeah, thanks for that that word and in that picture. And so um, we're going to close class tonight, and it's, a, it's called The Practice of Being Known. And it's an imaginative prayer exercise. And in part, I had printed it out for you because um, this is a wonderful thing, actually, <laughs> to become a part of your journey of, of practicing this two-way uh, communication, connection with the Lord. It actually comes from, uh, pieces of it are taken from a book by Kurt Thompson. We talk about him a lot here. We can actually begin to rewire our brains healthfully towards intimacy, towards encounter, and um, practice like Practices like this, as we do them repeatedly, actually kind of back to Lindsay's things, we don't have to start at the bottom anymore. There's, a, there's literally a physiological uh, place in our brain and then in our soul and our spirit that begins to make that journey of connecting and intimacy uh, with Jesus um, flow more easily. And so um, we're going to just put quiet music on. I'm going to totally lead us through this. So I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to get comfortable. I'm going to talk slow, and there's going to be gaps of time where there's just quiet for you to listen. So I want you to just start by taking a really deep breath. Let's breathe in. Breathe out. When we breathe out longer than we breathe in, we actually signal to our bodies that we're safe. 
And I want to invite you to imagine yourself tonight in a, a physical environment that is peaceful and calm. It could be a real one. It could be an imagined one. Maybe it's a place Jesus has taken you before. I want you to allow yourself now in your imagination to just uh, be aware of your surroundings. Use your senses. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What could you touch? Now I want you to look around this scene and I want you to look for Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God, who's with us. Where is he in your picture? How's he dressed and, and what's he doing? What's the expression on his face? How's he coming to you tonight? And I want you to imagine hearing Jesus and he's calling your name. He comes close to you. He puts his hands on your face. He lifts your chin. He looks into your eyes. And he says, you are my son. You're my daughter, and I so love you. I'm so pleased with you. I'm so glad that you're on the earth. It was my joy to create you. I want you to keep eye contact with him. Don't turn from his gaze. And I want you to hear him say again, you are my daughter. 
You're my son, and I'm so in love with you. I'm so pleased with you. I delight in you. And for the next minute or two, I just want you to be there in his presence. What do you feel? What do you feel Jesus is feeling as he looks with you at you with tenderness and strength into the windows of your soul? Sit with him. Talk with him. What, what else does he want to say to you tonight? So, Father, we thank you for the sweet sense of your presence. We thank you for waves of love, kindness, healing. And so, Lord, we uh, bless this time with you. And I bless my friends to have more sweet face-to-face -face encounters with you in the days to come this week. We pray this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One final thing as we 
close tonight. Um, I just would love to close our class every week by just quickly praying a blessing over one another for the more. So this week, the blessing is written at the bottom of the questions sheet, and it's just the Ephesians 3 blessing to know the love of God more deeply. So um, as you're comfortable, as you're able, you're welcome to debrief with someone. I know we're kind of hitting the end of our time. Or uh, like I said, merely just bless the person next to you. Pray the Ephesians 3 prayer and uh, we'll look forward to being together again next week. Thanks. Thanks.